What is up everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Before we get into a, a quick summary of uh, today's episode, which is remarkable, um, I'm super excited because the conversation was was really cool and, and really fun. Uh, a few quick updates or, or announcements. Uh, the first one is the Patreon. Uh, pa- the Vanguard Patreon is 100% live, up and running, ready to go. Um, for those of you that might not know what Patreon is, is it's a uh, basically just a monthly subscription. Um, they, there's a couple different tiers. I've got it set up at $1, $5, and $10 a month to help support the show. Um, for what that means for, for you, for me, is uh, that'll help me with some more networking opportunities, being able to go travel a little bit more, engage with some more people, grow my network, and hopefully bring some more content and information to you guys. Um, but also, the way that it's structured is um, some of the upper tiers of the Patreon supporters are going to be able to vote on where the chair or where we donate money to. So 50% of all of the proceeds from Patreon will be supported or will be donated to back into the community that the, you know, I think it's the maddened and the advocate groups are able to go vote on and determine where that's going to go. In addition to that, you know, the, the $10 a month crew um, will be able to have uh, monthly interactions with me that we can create, you know, ask, ask me anything sessions, kind of just Google Hangouts, some more networking opportunities for you as well. So if that's something you're interested in, I would love for you to take a look at that. That'll be linked in the episode description. Um, The next thing, um, this is super simple. If you haven't yet, please take a minute to uh, like, subscribe, and review the show. This morning, I saw one additional rating come in that uh, that really floated my boat, not going to lie. It's just the simple things in life that let me know, know whether or not I'm on the right track. So please take a second, if you can, to go review the show. That would mean the world to me. And finally, you know, if you, again, like the show, we'd love to see you uh, pick up some swag. I'll link the Vanguard Stories website uh, in the episode description too, and uh, would love to see just the show, community, and everything grow. But enough chit-chat, we're going to get into an awesome episode with Mr. George Bell of Fieldcraft Survival. We cover just an insane variety of topics ranging from army life um, to being a good dad, um, kind of growing in that space, tackling anxieties, and uh, really have a real conversation towards the end of, uh, of the episode. So I would highly encourage you to tune in for the whole thing and uh, hit me up if you need anything. Otherwise, enough chit-chat, let's get after it. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you joining for the first time, uh, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just a dude outside of Boise, Idaho, uh, that loves talking and uh, hearing people's stories. This podcast does just that, or at least I hope it does, uh, by focusing on sharing stories, understanding who people are, what they do, what it's taken to get to where they're at, uh, all with the hope of relating to you in a way that gets you excited about something you love, maybe to try something new, or at least provide you with some tools to tackle life. Uh, with that being said, I've got my cheesy intro out of the way, and uh, I have Mr. George Bell, VP of Fieldcraft Survival, on the phone with me, who uh, I'm definitely really excited to chat with because I've heard a few things. I've heard you do some pretty cool stuff or have done some pretty cool stuff. So, George, man, I appreciate you hopping on. How, how are you? It's Monday. We're recording on Monday. I feel like you've maybe survived it. I barely did. 
You know, I always say this is like the first Monday of the week. I got four more to go until the weekend. So, <laughs> uh, but no, everything's good. Uh, we're just uh, just here in Utah. We just had came off of a total archery challenge event up in Snowbird, uh, Utah, which was a beautiful uh, resort. It was like you were like in the mountains. Like you look around, and there's it's. It felt like I was in like uh, back in Germany, like like near uh the zook spits and all that stuff like just like an awesome rock face and then you'll have just the trees and everything there was like a baby moose in the pond that we saw i mean it's just a, a beautiful place so yeah good good couple of days out there so that's awesome uh, is snowbird north of salt lake is that where it's at yeah so it's it's like you, you remember where the uh where park city was at with the mm-hmm. one that snowbird or that uh event so it's basically like kind of offset behind park city okay it's like in in the other mountain thing it's just a it's weird because like from uh the shop in uh heber it takes an hour and like 20 minutes to get there if you go through like this nice mountain pass sure if you go around the thing it's only like an hour so it's not really bad it's just a different way of getting there you know yeah that's fair man well that's cool so with uh normally how i i kind of kick the podcast off is just to get an introduction of you so you and i met just briefly last weekend you know at the time of the morning at, at park city so i didn't really get the chance to harass you so if you don't mind just kicking it off with you know who you are and then uh, i'll interrupt you if that works all right yeah so uh george bell's my name i've been with phil craft now It'll be three years in october but before that i was uh, born and raised in Steubenville, ohio uh, just to give you a quick history of Steubenville, Ohio, it's uh, around the Ohio River. It um, used to be called Little Chicago back in the day because of all the fun, like, underworld stuff that used to go on there. But then, uh, you know, it's, uh, it has a lot of history. Um, we are famous for our murals. We're famous for uh, Dean Martin. He was born, was born there. Uh, Jimmy the Greek, the great, uh, what was he, like a, like a, a bookie? <laughs> and then we had we took a black eye we had some stuff come down with the football team and the uh the, the rape case and all that stuff but we i think we bounced back and we're not gonna let that like make our my hometown look shitty but it's a really great place a lot of tradition a lot of good people that work there still mill area so you got a lot of a good blue collar people and it's just a good town man great food great italian food things like that i grew up there so i have my heart is still there uh but yeah then i joined the army at 18 i uh I, I worked for a pharmacy in, in, uh, in high school and I delivered medicine and then I worked in the back counting pills and stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I, I think I could be a pharmacist. You know, I'm 18. I'm come on. Like I'm, I'm barely like, I'm a B B average. I taught fourth in my class when I graduated. So I got into a high Northern university that had like one of the top pharmacy colleges in the United States. Yeah. And okay. I like, I, and i'm just a dude man i'm just working hard like i deliver medicine and you know and i think i bit too too like i think i bit more often i could chew with this uh thing and then i had this old man i forget his name i think he's i mean i think obviously he's passed away by now but uh he was like on the board up there so he kind of pulled some strings and got me in it was kind of like one of those like I'm going to get this kid in and, 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 and he's going to make some of himself. You know, he is like, I had the tiger. I'm like, well, I'll do my best. And, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> we'll fake it till I make it. So I got in there. So this was like, this was 1990, 1998, 97, 98 timeframe. And uh, man, I get up to college and I, I start taking courses and 
I'm totally out of my element. I mean, I think first day I had biology, chemistry, calculus. I mean, I had chem one, like all this stuff. And I was not used to the, the workload. I had no study habits, nothing like that, you know? So I got put on academic, academic probation uh, for that year after I graduated or after I, uh, after that year was over with. But the funny thing was I had like all A's in my pharmacy classes, which was, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but um, you know, I, it was really like, I got that letter in the mail, man. And it crushed me. I mean, I'm 19, I think 18 when I'm 19 at the time. And uh, I'm sitting in my room back in Ohio. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Man, I'm on academic probation. Like I've never in my life had any negative, like yeah. marks, anything. It's like I get the this, bane of your existence at this yeah. point. Yeah. And, and I get this letter and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? You know? And I said, well, I'll take a couple of classes in the summer. And I did. And I just didn't like it. I was like, yo, college is not for me. I want to work. I want to earn. I want to make money. I want to be on my own. Like ever since I was in high school, I wanted to be on my own. So I sat there and I said, you know what? I got to make a change, man. I got to, I got to do something. And uh, called the army up, man. Went down, <laughs> got a recruiter and uh, went to, you know, I did all the, you know, the, the meeting and you've got to talk to them and all that stuff. Tell them what you're interested in and, I get the MEPS and I'm like, I, I honestly just wanted to jump out of planes and just be in the army. I did not, I didn't <laughs> care. I had no clue what I was going into, you know? Yeah. And uh, I get to MEPS in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm going through, I'm like, oh, I, well, my recruiter told me about uh, like radar, satellite, missile defense. And I'm like, sure, man, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, I was like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, sign me up. And then I was like, you know what? I'll go airborne infantry. Dude, let's, let's do that. I'm going to jump out of planes. And then they were like, he was like, well, he was like, oh, he's like, when do uh, he's, uh, I said, I'll, I'm, I'm ready to go in two weeks. Like, let me go. You know, he's yeah. like, well, what? it's not going to happen until December or something like that. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, well, uh, he said, well, check this out. He said, this is a uh, psychological operations. I was like, Oh, what is that? And then I read the paragraph and it, you know, said influence and change behavior and you get to jump out of planes and you're in special operations. I said, yeah, I'll do that. Sign me up right now. I did that. So, <laughs> <laughs> when I signed up for that, <laughs> I said, I don't care, man, just sign me up. And I signed up for that. And that was leaving in two weeks. So I was out, like I joined October 8th and then it was history ever since then. You know, I, I joined, went to basic training, AIT, airborne school, did all the, you know, the gates to get in to PSYOP, which now PSYOP has a whole selection process. It's like PSYOP, CA, uh, SF, they're all kind of not the same kind of pipeline. They have to do like a, a selection and assessment. Okay. Then they go to the Q, the qualification course for PSYOP where, you know, but back then it was just AIT. So I went to AIT for 14 weeks. And then, then after that, you know, you'll get done with all your training. You go to your unit. So my first unit, I was in a Bravo company, Ninth Side Battalion. That was like the tactical company. Okay. Or, yeah. Tactical company. They have, we, you know, when I joined, it was like they had one tactical battalion that was ninth battalion and each company was broken down in like uh aors like paycom uh centcom all that stuff so you know i i got into psyop and i got to ninth battalion and i spent like a year there and um i went to like korea i went to australia i was like getting cool missions like i was like wow i'm glad <laughs> i did psyop man because this is really cool and then they had this open they had this like tryout we had a, a, a ranger detachment and it was a, it was a, a, a detachment that basically just, it just supported 75th ranger regiment, like first, second and third ranger battalion. Okay. And we had one team per battalion. So 
I got asked to try out for it. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, I, I, I like to volunteer for stuff. I like to raise my hand and, and like, I, I get bored a lot. Like I can't sit around. And oh, I'm with you on that. Okay. I have to be working, man. But then sometimes it catches up to me. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 42 right now and I'm, I'm still busting my, <laughs> it's funny. We always say we're busting our ass I and mean, it's just like everyone busts our ass, but right. You know, like you, like you, you got a bunch of ass, and it's just like I'm tired now, man. Like my neck hurts, my back hurts. So um, I try out for this ranger attachment, and I make it, and I'm like, cool, you know. So we did. Uh, it was right before September 11th. I mean, I, I, uh, I went to PLDC, which was um, Warriors Leader Course now. So, but it was PLDC. It was a primary development leader course back in the day. This was this was like 2001, right before September 11th. Okay. So I'm in PLDC. I, I, yeah, I do everything. I graduate and then we go, we have a four day weekend. So it's, 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 uh, September 8th, I think it is 2001. Okay. Um, so we get back after the four day on that Tuesday, I think it's, I think it's the September 11th and we're sitting in formation and they're like, George, uh, come out and do like, you know, the extended right more or send the left March and you know, get, get them ready for PT. And I was like, Dang, I got nervous. I forgot everything. <laughs> like Douchebag, you know, I'm like, uh. and all of a sudden someone comes out and was like, yo, um, no, we, we do the PT. Everything's done. I mean, I, I figured out, I, I finally like get the brain for it out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it. And, uh, and we get back to the office and all of a sudden everyone's like, turn it, turn the TV on, turn the TV on, turn the TV on. And we're like, what's going on? They said a plane just hit the national or the world trade center. And I said, what the fuck? And then uh, we turn it on and all of a sudden another plane hit and we're like, oh, wow, it's on, you know, and then everything, all the stories came out Fort Bragg shut down. You couldn't leave. You couldn't get on. Right. Everything's scrambling. Like you couldn't, like, I couldn't go home. Like I had my parents came down because they heard what happened. And then we got the alert saying, Hey, get ready. You guys are going down to the range battalion. It's on. And, uh, it's on. It's like, it's on. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I remember AIT talking to my battle buddy about, um, like jumping in with the Rangers. Like we talked about jumping in with the Rangers. We, we just had a story about Panama and how there was a SOP guy that jumped in with the Rangers. And we were like, man, what if that ever happened to us? Like I would give my right nut to go and jump into combat with the Rangers. Right? Like, yeah, this is, this is, this is all every little boy's dream is to right. jump into combat with the Rangers. I mean, if you're in the army and you don't ever think about Jumping into combat with the Ranger Regiment, whatever battalion it is, there's something yourself. wrong with you. I'm yeah. sorry. Like every little boy growing up watched all the movies: Delta mm -hmm. Force, Navy SEALs, Platoon. I mean, even the Vietnam ones, even Saving Private Ryan. And like ever since I was a kid, like always had this like in the back of my head, like playing army, going to the woods, building lean tunes, and like just spying on people. Like we played. Uh, have you ever been snipe hunting? No. So snipe hunting is just like made up thing where it's like you, you get a guy, a clueless guy and you, and you take him to the woods and it's just like a bunch of buddies around the fire drinking beers. But I was with my dad and his buddies and they were just around the fire drinking beers and they had this one guy that he wasn't the smartest dude in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? But he was a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like I forget his name, but Randy was his name. And this dude would always like where I lived at was like on the other side of like the main, like, town like i lived like near the river and it was like mountains and it was like really nice sure but there was a cutoff road behind a house that went up to lay bellevue uh baseball fields and it was on the hill and you could walk up there it was like an old uh it was an old road back in the day it was all shut down 
But this dude would walk up this road every single day, back and <laughs> forth, man. And he was like the guy that like he he's like the guy in the movie, like in an old town where it was like, yeah, don't mess with don't mess with Randy, man. Like, yeah. you know, he's just doing his thing, you know. But nicest guy, you know, you'd meet. But we tricked Randy into going snipe hunting. And what snipe hunting was was basically <laughs> you you basically hunted this fake creature, this little thing in the woods at night. And and you're supposed to like grab it and put it in a bag and you're supposed to have it like in there like, like it's in there, right? <laughs> so me and this dude, me and my dad's buddy went up this hill. We were like in the woods. <laughs> we were climbing up this like little hill area, you know, and there was a cliff on the other side so you could look down and we were going to fuck with him while he was trying to get to snipe. <laughs> but I remember going up this hill and it was at night and then we were trying to be quiet and I was like, oh, this, I feel like I'm going on a mission. And the guy who I was with, he was in the National Guard and he was like, oh, yeah, this is like the, the army stuff. You know, I'm like, yeah, sure. OK, but we're going up this hill and I'm like, this is so fun. And that always stuck with me of like being in the army. Like we should like, I always wanted to go in the army and do stuff like G.I. Joe. And um, yeah, I joined the army, man. And then after September 11th happened, we got sent down to Fort Benning and they were like, hey, you're uh, you and three other guys from the attachment are jumping in with uh, third range battalion on September on uh October 19th was the day, day of the jump. And, uh, and I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I couldn't believe that I got like, uh, like picked basically, or even like thought of to be on the mission out of our whole detachment. And, you know, and, and it was just something that like, I'll never forget. You know what I mean? That is like my Super Bowl ring right there is me getting to jump in with the Rangers. Like it was like a dream come true, man. It was like, I was blessed. And, um, just to be a part of the whole September 11th invasion and, and knowing that like knowing that like what, like we weren't the only effort on the ground. Like after like I get back and I learn, like I'm a Sergeant, like I'm a brand new Sergeant. Like I know Dick about the army and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this. But then you think about it and you hear the stories with like the SF teams that were going in, and everything that synced together, like it was a, a whole operation. Like we were kind of like a, a military deception type thing. Okay. You know, we were trying to make this thing on the down here. So our guys can get in on, on, you know, up top, you know what I mean? Just kind of like a thing, but just getting ready for the jump and mentally preparing and, and, and knowing that, like hearing the stories of like Panama and, and Grenada and you're like, wow, like shit's about to get real. We're going in, you know, like I yeah. can't believe it. And, uh, and I remember sitting in the, uh, the hangar and we're suiting up and like, there was some like disgruntled Rangers and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I I can't help that, man. I didn't choose, like, I didn't pick myself to be on this mission. Like you need to talk to your supervisor or or your like first line, whatever, you know? So we're sitting there and some guys come up and they're like, yeah, we got taken off the jump for these guys. And I'm like, oh, well, you should have been (laughs) side problem. Yeah. (laughs) Damn, not my problem. But no, I was like, okay, whatever. And then we get like a little speech from the chaplain and then, and then the officers would, would talk and they're all like clean cut. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're trying to make it professional, but then we get the uh, command sergeant major up on the truck. He's like, if your dick ain't this hard right now, he held up his like, dick ain't this hard right now. There's something wrong with you, blah, 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 blah. And he gives like his best, like go to war speech, man. It was like, so it was like what we needed. And then, um, you know, we load the bird up. We fly about four or five hours, six hours, it seemed like. And it was so uncomfortable. There was like nut to butt in this plane. And I, <laughs> I jumped this, this big ass loudspeaker, man. And it it was an experience. And it was 
one of the coolest things I've ever done in my career. And uh, we, you know, we pre, you know, pre fires, you know, they hit all the towers in the compound. There was like compound there, there was buildings and towers and stuff like that. So being able to see the C-130 uh, gunship hit those towers and then you see the Rangers move in and under your night vision and Nick, you're just like, I can't believe I'm here right now. And then, and then you see stuff burning off in the distance and you hear like gunfire, or you hear like one brave dude stayed behind and he came out shooting in the, <coughs> the whole right side of the formation opened up and just like crushed this dude. And then uh, as we were in there, we cleared all the, you know, cleared the compound and there were some like, I guess some guys trying to come in, come back reinforcements, but you see like the C-130 like blowing them up out in the distance, which is pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was so, it was a really cool thing to be a part of and just uh, I was just humbled and just to be a part of it I mean to be honest with you so but yeah that was a good time back in the beginning of the war and then uh and then you know I, I I went back three times three other times and you know did my thing but that one time was like probably the most special time I'll yeah. have there you know so man that's insane so I I don't know anything about psyops what what is like the major function of, so the, of yeah the major function is, you know, you're kind of like the voice of the commander or kind of like it's basically you're marketing and advertising for DOD and, and other, like who you your support. So it's kind of like I'm trying to change your behavior from doing something. So take, for example, I went to, uh, got to go to Ukraine, one of the first op teams in Ukraine after the, uh, the Maidan incident. And we got a, uh, a letter from the president of the United States saying, you know, we, you know, requesting a PSYOP team to go in and help with the elections. And we were like, you know, like, wow, I can't believe it. You know, so a team gets there. We do like all the election stuff. And then we started getting in more and more like we showed up and we didn't have any connections. I mean, we're the first team on the ground. You know, we had, you know, we had a couple guys on the ground with like at the embassy getting stuff laid out for us. But once we got there, we had maybe a couple, a couple contacts, you know, we had a couple contacts from the embassy, but then we really, once we got on the ground and started working, we really, we're able to network and, and branch out and talk to this person, that person, that person says, Hey, I'm going to bring you to this person. So we ended up getting in contact with the, it was called the Ukraine crisis media center. And what it did, it was a conglomerate of like all these professionals in the Kiev, Ukraine, like, I think it was across Ukraine, but mostly in Kiev, you had like, um, you had like lawyers, you had marketing uh, people come out, you had uh, TV, like people that worked in TV, radio, newspapers, lawyers all, all you know from all walks of life helping get this like to get the messaging out so what's going on in ukraine this is back in 2014 okay and uh so we were there and we were making like we were getting so many like great connections and then we were getting our stuff like disseminated like across the country and we were getting stuff on the local news we were getting like really good traction and we had some good feedback. I mean, it wasn't good feedback for the person, but we were getting good <laughs> uh, impact indicators, they call them. Okay. And as these guys, as we, because we weren't allowed to go leave Kiev, we weren't allowed to go uh, west out to where all the like Russian intrusion was going on and where all the fighting was. So we had to rely on people that were volunteers that would take our stuff and they would be in their own cars, like personal cars on the border, like, like risking their lives to get this message out. And there were okay. some times where this, we were, uh, I think it was like get out and vote posters and they were hanging them up and people were coming in and like stealing them and like beating up the people, like putting up the poster. So 
it was cool that we were making a little bit, bit of an impact and we were seeing like uh, messages come in saying, Hey, if you see people with this right here, make sure you tear it down and beat them and, you know, steal their stuff and, you know, just make life bad for them. So we knew our message was getting out and, and people were hearing it. So, uh, so we learned from that. And then we went on to do more like professionalizing the police force. And we started working with their DOD, like their, their military and how they like professionalize their military. We were helping them with their psyops, stuff, their influence operations, because, uh, when Odessa got taken over, it was like a straight psychological, like takeover, man. Like there was like really hardly any rounds fired. It was all just very well operated. I mean, it was very well operated in that and in, in Crimea to how they took the, the, uh, to that, that place over. And, uh, so the like working with the embassy, working with, uh, we worked with a couple media companies and then work with the, the Ukraine crisis media center. We worked at USAID, all those people. So everyone was, it was really, I mean, it was different because everyone wanted to work and everyone wanted to do stuff. So it was, it was fun. Like you get to do your job for real. I had, I had an officer with me and then I had a two graphic illustrators and I had two style specialists with me. And I'll tell you what, man, like we really did a lot of work just to like for the six months we were there at the beginning, we laid the groundwork for all the other teams. And, and I'll take like, I'll take pride in that because that was my team and my team really, really worked hard to establish that. Like, this is the standard, like, this is what you got to do. I mean, take whatever you want with it. You know, you don't have to do what we did. Yeah. No team does. I mean, every team goes there and it feels like they reinvent the wheel every single time. Sure. It's like, why don't we just build up what we have, get rid of what we don't keep, what we have and just keep the process rolling instead of reinventing everything. Like, we're wasting money and time and resources. So, uh, you know, we try to set the next team up for success. And, you know, I kind of just, after the, after I left, man, I kind of, when I leave a mission, I kind of just let it go, honestly. Cause if I don't, it's, it's, it's funny in the army. Cause people think like, Oh, you run this mission. It's like, you know, I was on that mission because it was, it, it, I, my name was put in, you know, it was, they needed this um, requirement and I was there, I was available, my team. And that's, we were, we were inserted there. Like yeah. it could have been anybody. Like it wasn't like, yeah, I, I raised my hand and volunteered, but you know, anyone could have stepped in there and done this. So I can't really, I don't like to dwell on it because it's not my mission anymore. It's not my responsibility. I did my part. Good luck, you know, yeah. moving on to the next thing. So that's kind of how I thought about it. So when you, uh, when you went into, you know, Kiev, for instance, did you go in kind of with like walking in and saying, Hey, I'm from the U S army. I'm here to do this thing. Who do I need to talk to? Or was it a little bit more subtle than that? So we got, um, we flew in, it's weird because we flew into Kiev and like the, like, you know, and like the airport is like outside the city, like, okay. like the Pittsburgh airport is like 30 minutes outside the city. It's like in this weird, you know, not weird, but it's just like out in the middle. Sure. It's not near in a metropolis, you know? So we flew into Kiev at night and uh, we get into town and we're rolling down the street. We're rolling down like their fifth Avenue basically. Okay. And then we, we, we make this turn and I look up. And I see like barbed wire and like just shit just piled up. Like it looked like a Call of Duty game. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it looked like something out of a like Mad Max apocalyptic. Like it's it's like what is going on? You know? And and that was where like that was fenced off because that was like the Maidan Square. That was like the main area where all this like protesting and shootings and everything happened. So we go. We stayed in these apartments and. Um, I'll tell you what, it was probably one of the best missions I've ever been. I have my own apartment. Like we, 
worked at the embassy every day, but we were like right in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Like right around the corner, dudes were getting killed. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, it, it made you think like, Oh shit. And then you, and then we were over in Ukraine and you had all this Russians and you had people following you. You know what I mean? You could tell when someone was like trying to <laughs> figure you out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the next day we walked down there kind of, and, and you could walk down there. It was like safe. It was like, no one's going to try to kill you. Like we were in civilian clothes. Like, honestly like there's no hiding that you're an american when you're deployed like in a environment like that i mean you're in civilian clothes and suits and ties at the embassy but like i'm 6'3 240 i'm gonna (laughs) stick out like a thumb man i'm like i'm like a giant in this kind of place sometimes so we go down there and just see everything and and you have all these people from all over the ukraine setting up shop like you had like these volunteer people from like like kiev you had a volunteer battalion and you had from odessa you had people come up and they were all set up in the square and they had it all shut down and there was like you talk about like some nasty stuff i mean there was like the uh porta potties was it was like someone just sprayed them with like shit and piss you know what i mean it was disgusting but that's how they just i mean this is how it was it was grimy down there it was like tires mountains and shit burning and like and it was like a stage down there and it was like banners and it was like a whole psyop campaign down there. i mean it was a really interesting like the just to see how like a community like a country gets together and and, and fights back against like shitty leadership like kind of how we're doing right now um so it it's it was cool to see but at the same time it's like wow this is a i mean i'm a i'm a dude from steubenville ohio i don't i have a call i mean i have some college under my belt and i'm in the middle of ukraine having to like figure out how to influence people to vote i mean (laughs) i'm an american i have no business being in ukraine trying to like convince these people to vote but at the same time it's my job so i'm gonna do my best and uh and it was just fun man it was fun trying to figure out how to how to do this stuff man because marketing is hard man it's like one of the hardest things to do is influencing people and and we always got like we were like the redheaded stepchildren of special operations. And I get it, man. Like SOP is not glamorous. It's not, you're not kicking in doors and you're not like haloing in and you're not, you know, I get it, but it's part of, it's part of, it's just part of it. You have to have it. Like, yeah. It's the mental side of it. It really yeah, is. If you're, if you're doing any unconventional warfare, UW, you have to have that influence because how am I going to recruit people and get them on our side? If I'm not trying to like, influence in their behavior and, and, and trying to get them to understand like hey you come with us we're going to hook you up like you're you're going to be good like we'll train you we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll make sure you're safe but if i can't if i can't influence somebody then then we're not building a a, a girl of force to go combat the bad guys so yeah it's just part of it and i, I get it it's it's hard man it's like it's taxing you know it's what, a was lot the, of thinking. what was the hardest part about it then I say the hardest part is dealing with the lawyers. Um, I was, we were going through SOC, SOC here. So Special Operations Command Europe at the time. And and you have to deal with like the JAG officers. And we had this one campaign we were doing, like it was called Chance. It was like, now that, you know, you got this, the old presidents out, the new presidents in, you, you voted for them. Now is your chance to like build the country back like you don't no matter what you are you could be a grandma a teacher a police a student a guy delivering pizzas you know just doing something getting involved in your community so we got we got we partnered with all these like community programs to like how people can like 
uh, register for like to get like for the winter time coming to get like uh, like I think it was like a, a break on their na- or natural gas type stuff. And we were helping people with that. We were, we were showing people like the like numbers on like infographics and like trying to educate people. That's, that's the hardest part is I would say the hardest part is educating people and getting your your voice heard so that they can see that like what's going on. Like if they are, I mean, if they can't understand what your message, then honestly, it's just, you know, it's not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So messaging is probably the hardest. Yeah. Did you learn any like good tactics that you've translated to like normal life on how to like, I guess, you know, relate to people? I, I try to treat people with all the utmost, utmost respect when I first meet them. I don't, I don't try to, to judge them. I don't try to look down on them. I, you know, I ask them, you know, I just try to be nice and yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. It goes so far. Like just using your manners. I learned a long time ago, get you so much. Like I told my students when I was an instructor, I said, you know, you may think that that janitor is just a janitor. He's just clean shit and, and takes the trash out. But that janitor sees things that janitor has placement and access to things that you don't. So you might, you better start being nice to the janitor. You better start asking a janitor about Monday night or Monday after Monday morning. Hey, well, how'd your team do? Who, like, who's your team? You know, small talk, small talk gets you in, man. And, and I really think that, and I just think that, and then having a, uh, a bag full of money when you get in the country helps out too. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So what, uh, I guess, what advice so does PSYOP, PSYOP still exists, right? Yeah. What advice do you have for kids that might want to get into it or people might want to lateral into it? Or I guess, how does the process work now? So like right now, I think you can, well, if you're in, you can reclass. So everyone that's listening, if you are interested in reclassing stop, and if you're in, just go to the special operations recruiting battalion. I think there's one, there should be one on every, every base where you should be able to like, you know, reach out, Google the shit. You know what I mean? Um, and you should be able to like contact them and they'll give you everything you need, uh, like, uh, qualifications, paperwork, letters, all the stuff that you need. But I think coming off the street, I think you used to be able to go like straight from the street to style, but I'm thinking now, I don't know if you can or not. I'm, I've been out of the game for a while, sure. but I think there is a way to, to, uh, I think it, I think you can sign up right off, off the street, but I think what happens is if you don't pass you get put into like, I think military police or something like that. Like it's some oh, kind of like weird, like <laughs> AIT where you get sent to like, you'll have an MOS in case you don't make it and inside. That's, that's the last I heard, but I'm going to do a, uh, I'm moving out to uh, NC soon to uh, work out at our office there with Kevin Owens. Nice. And I'm going to start getting more involved with like, uh, I'm going to get some guys on the podcast talking about that exact question you got. Awesome. So, okay. Okay. So we can, we can edit that out if need be, but oh, no, 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 keep it in. Okay. Keep, keep it, it in. in. Okay. Yeah. yeah, keep yeah. It in. <clears throat> All right. So we'll stay, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned. Cause I'm curious. I mean, I have no idea yeah. when I, when I heard that you were one of the psyops guys, I was like, that sounds really sketchy. Like I'm really curious because I have like, no idea yeah. what that means. I think if if we could really do PSYOP the way that PSYOP should be done, it would be amazing. But being, you know, in the United States government, there's a lot of like legality things. So there's a lot of things we can, we can't do. We can't do this. We can't do that. Everything we put out has to be approved. Like okay. I just can't be like, oh, I got a great idea. I got a great message. Let's, let's work it up. So we do like everything. We, you know, we do go through the seven step process and we, we have a, a great product and we're like, 
and then we put it out. Like we, I would get like kicked out of the army if I did that shit. <laughs> like that, that was how bad it would get. And in everything you do, it has to be um, attributed. So anything we put out, it had to you, you have to have on there like where it came from, like who put it out, things like that. So what we did in Ukraine, for example, we worked with the, the Ukraine Crisis Media Center. So they were a legit entity. So everything we put out, we made sure like, hey, can we use your you know, your symbol on the uh, product. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. So we got the, we got attribution. So we were good to go. You know, we it'd go up to the lawyer, they look at it and then we would get approved. So that's how kind of it in this simple form, that's how it worked. Yeah. Okay. Cause if you, if you had your way, would it just be like balls of the wall, print everything? Oh, 100%. We would have <laughs> like, we would be on every media. We would be on the internet. We'd be on the internet more. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, I've been out since 2018. I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the cyber stuff has been evolved since I've been in and, uh, hopefully we'll, you know, we'll see, hopefully they get start getting some more traction and, and a little bit more freedoms. It was just, it was just very frustrating when you do have a great plan and you have to wait or you have to get approved and it's just, and you can't say certain things like it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I got to go to, I was in South Africa as a planner and we got to go down to uh, Uganda and work the, uh, the um, counter Lord's resistance army uh, mission. And Joseph Coney was a real bad dude. And he was like, you know, killing, mm-hmm. killing much people. And I said, you know, what we should do. I had a, just a, a harebrained idea. I was like, you know what we should do? We should get some dudes from Hollywood, come in, make like a dead Joseph Coney and do a whole, like, yo, we found Joseph Coney. He's dead. <laughs> like, I mean, really do it, like really get into it. And, but you can't do it. It's illegal. And, what I'm saying though, man, it's like, do you think like the enemy doesn't have an approval process? Like the enemy's not like, hey, sir, um, do you, can we just nice. like, yeah, can we blow this dude up real quick? Uh, I'm asking permission. It's like, no, they don't ask for permission. They just do it, you know? Yeah. And I get it. We're America. We have the Geneva Convention it and follow the rules and bullshit. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. That's fair. Well, before I ask maybe more about fieldcraft and everything, um, is there anything that you don't get asked often about your time, either in psyops or the army, getting into it, anything like that that you're like, man, this is what I would love to share, but never get asked. Not really, man. Like, but the thing I would love to share is like, if, if you're going to do something, do it. You know what I mean? Go like, do your research first. Like if you're going to go psyop, do your research, make sure you like something you want to do, like reach out. Like I'm always available. I tell people, you know, I'm always available. Just DM me, man, if you have any questions. But there's really nothing that I haven't talked about, to be honest with you. Like, that's a good question, though. I, I think everything I've done, uh, I've kind of talked about it in one way or shape, form, or another. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you got out in 2018, you said. Um, yep. One question I, I like to ask is, uh, especially for people that might be in now, when you got out, was it a pretty easy transition for you? I mean, I feel like marketing is a pretty good, pretty good skill coming out. So when I got out, like I did, I'm still working on my college degree. Like yes. And it sucks that that's something that people measure your intelligence by is a piece of paper and, and money you spent, like you basically wasted. I mean, I'm, ugh, I'm, I'm just torn with it because I, I look at, college like okay i'm paying i'm paying you to come here like and i get it like i gotta put the work and everything but come on man like give me a c at least i'm paying for this (laughs) like does it really matter in in three years when i'm working at like a a a marketing firm that i remembered 
the chromosome in a fucking whale's dick. You know what I mean? Like, not particularly. I, I don't, no. like, there's nothing. I don't, I don't need that. And then like, yeah. why wouldn't I, I go to college? I got to take all these stupid ass classes that doesn't have anything to do with my major. And uh, so that's why I kind of, it's just like hard for me to get back. But um, what was I saying? What were we talking about? Uh, transitioning out. Any oh issues. yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have any, really, I didn't have any issues. Cause I look at it like this. I'm a grown ass man. Like if I don't pay attention to when I'm out processing or going through like the, uh, the transition out, then that's on me. There were so many opportunities for people when they get out to get a job, like they come in, they give you a list of companies that are hiring. Now it may not be the job you want, but Hey, if you ain't got nothing, this could be a good opportunity to jump on something and and, and make some money. Uh, but the, the transition was easy. The only thing I was worried about was my VA rating. And uh, I thought maybe like it, just the way, like, you know, you hear all the horror stories and, yeah. you, you know, you, you get in and, and it's like you, people got 10% and they got, and they're missing a leg. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. I was there for 20 years. I, I did some stuff. I got pretty banged up. I mean, I, I didn't get shot or I didn't lose a limb or anything, but man, I got some, some shit going on, you know, but that's really the only thing I was worried about. And then, I got lucky because I met Mike Glover. He was the owner of Field Crossing. I met him in Libya back in 2012. Right, it was like two, two, three days after the attack on Benghazi. I was able to. I was, I was gonna go. I was already on the hook to go, but I was waiting. Like they had this like thing. There's only so many people can be in country at one time. Yeah. So I had to wait, and then once that been once Benghazi happened, they were like, "Yo, you just go. Like here's your plane ticket." Like I've. I flew commercial all the way to, to Tripoli. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were like, take this. And I had like $250,000 in my, in a bag, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and they were That's like, nice. no, you gotta go, to, you gotta go to Libya and set up team Libya. Like you're the NCIC. And I was like, Oh, cool. You know? I'll, and I, I volunteer. Like I went to the Star Major's office, like at least for a month straight asking him like, Hey, I'll go, I'll go. Please send me, please. I'll, I'll go. And I finally got the opportunity, so which was pretty cool. Like even in Ukraine, I, I raised my like I, I was begging. I was like, please send me. I'll go. Like just send me. I'll, like, I just want to do my job, you know. Yeah. So uh, met Mike Glover there in 2012, and uh, we had a great time. Like good six months of training and, and doing the uh, counterterrorism for the uh, Libyans and all that stuff. So once I got back to uh, once I got done with that mission, um, our PCS back to Fort Bragg. And I, I try to stay in, stay in touch with Mike as long as possible, but that man was hard to keep in touch with. But then I, his mom owns a day spa in Fayetteville called Me Was Day Spa. If you're ever around Fayetteville, please go. It's a really good day spa. Um, I uh, I got in contact with her. I said, Miwa. I said, my name's George. And, you know, I, I was with Mike in Libya. So I don't know if he mentioned me and stuff like that. She was like, I think he did. I was like, is there any way I can get his phone number or contact or something? She's like, oh yeah, here you go. And then I got it and I got in contact, in contact with him. And then um, he was still in and then he transitioned out and then he was doing some contracting work. And he's and uh, he was like, when you get out, I'm going to do, uh, I'll have field, he had Fieldcraft Survival at the time. He, he got out, he was the GRS. And then uh, he started Fieldcraft Survival. And then he's like, yeah, when you get out, you can work, come work for me. So I kind of like knew about like a year before I retired, like what I was going to do. I put all my eggs in one basket, man. I, I really just, was like i'll follow mike lover to the end of the world man i had it had a like that is my man right there like he um really good leader very good person to be around like he you learn a lot from this dude and uh came in touch with him and he was like yo you come work for me at field Cross survival we're we're in durango 
they were in Durango at the time, a, a place called Bayfield, outside of Durango. And we were talking and talking. He's like, well, hey, we're moving the company to Arizona. And I was like, dude, I'll go anywhere, you know. So I retired <laughs> in 2018. My wife was six, seven months pregnant at the time. And we drove from Fayetteville, uh, Fayetteville North Carolina, all the way to uh, Prescott, Arizona. Dang. Through three or four days and set up shop. So, yeah, I've been with the company since 2018. It's it's uh, It's been great, man. Like, I can't complain. I mean, there's there's times where it's like up and down because it's a small business and it's something new. I'm not a businessman at all. Like, I'm just trying to figure it out and uh it's hard but it's fun at the same time it's so rewarding because you're the people we we interact with and and just when they when someone tells you thank you so much for helping me with this no matter what it is that it could be a course or anything just a life question it just feels so good when they say thank you because it's like wow like i was able to use my 20 years of experience life experience like going around the world and doing psyop and being in the army and you know being a leader and doing this stuff and just being able to help people out just it just makes a world difference to make you feel good at the time you know yeah so when you came into fieldcraft did you know like hey i'm gonna teach these classes or did you kind of just i'm more i'm more of an ai type of guy like um now i'm moving back to north carolina to help uh kevin owens and i'll start teaching classes there but I came in, my role was more when I got in, I was more of like uh, operations. Like I was doing shipping, receiving when I first showed up. I mean, packing boxes, man. Like I was in the grind and then, um, and then I became the VP of the company, but which really, I mean, what does that mean? You know, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm working. I don't need a label. I don't need someone to tell me, oh, you're the vice president. I'm like, I don't, that doesn't, I don't care about a label. I don't care about a title. I just want to get the work done. Like I'm here, I'm dedicated to this job until the day we sell it or the day we go under or whatever, you know what I mean? I, I can't predict the future, um, but I'm here to the end. And um, so whatever needs money, if, if I need to mop the floor, I'm off the floor. I mean, I'm 42 years old. Do I, I don't care. Like I'll set up chairs. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to get this company rolling and get the message out. So I think that's one thing I've learned is, you know, one thing I try to tell people is like, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life and where you're working at, be part of the team be value added, you know, like, yeah, taking out the trash may not be your job. It's nobody, like nobody wants that job, but people have to have that job. You, Sorry, dude. Like you're going to have to mop the floor today. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then get the fuck out and go down the road because that to me just shows like, you don't, you're not committed. You don't care about the mission. You don't, you know, just think you're better than exactly. Like just be part of it, you know? So everyone has their, their, their part, but but at the same time, you got to wear multiple hats. I mean, at work and in life. I mean, I come home from work. I'm a dad. I'm a, you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm this, I'm that, you know, I'm a, I'm a construction worker when something breaks. I'm a, I'm a cook when dinner needs to be made. Like I'm a maid when the house needs to be clean. You know what I mean? So yep. we all live, a live these lives where it's like, dude, like we all got to do our part, no matter if we're at work or at home. So it's like, don't be a shit bag in both places you know yeah no that's fair so for people that maybe don't know what fieldcraft is you know i've been a fan for a while and i'm, I'm aware i was there i went to one of your guys's classes with eastman's a couple of weeks ago oh yeah uh, yeah super cool dudes um do you mind just sharing what you guys oh, yeah. do yeah so at fieldcraft survival we look at ourselves like we're a preparedness company we want to make sure that we're prepared you're prepared you know man no matter what it is it could be you know you start from we look at like pillars of pillars of excuse me pillars of preparedness where it's like your person your vehicle your home you know like break it down like that so like 
on your on your person like what do you need to have on your person to be prepared is it your wallet your phone your keys or could it be <coughs> your gun an extra mag a uh, a tourniquet a bleeder kit you know whatever you can put in your pockets to be prepared you know those are things like mindset that's huge like mm-hmm. if i'm not like thinking about like if something goes down like what is my reaction then I, I think you know you're wrong i mean i think you should always think about the what ifs in life and, and how you're going to prepare yourself and, and react to them. Like if I get a flat tire on the highway, I have to be prepared for that because that shit can happen to anybody. No matter what kind of tire I have, it could be a brand new tire. There's something on the highway I, I, and I'll be, and you better be able to like steer out of it when you hit something, you know, you may have a major <laughs> blowout. So all these things that we try to get your mind right and, and, and try to just give you the, the tools, the resources, and just the overall education and, and the handling yourself and, and just every day going back to a fourth of work. Cause you look at it, the most dangerous thing I do every day is drive my truck. Yeah. And in Utah, you better have your head on a swivel. You better have eyes in the back <laughs> of your head because these people are here. It's either you're driving like way below the speed limit or you're going like 90, a hundred miles per hour down the highway. And it's like, yeah, you guys are nuts. It's crazy. I'm, I've I've, be, I've learned to become a bad driver since I've been here. Like I'm terrible. <laughs> like I hate it. But um, but no, we you know, and then you, you go to your vehicle. Your vehicle is an extension of your rucksack. If you think about it, like what yeah. can I put in my vehicle to help me out? Like an extension. And then in your home, you know, home you go into home defense. You know, you go into like security things like that. Like food food storage. Like it's a big thing. Like homesteading. Like do you have like, enough food for like a month? Or you know, and then. If you have a family, that's another thing to take in consideration. You have to feed them, water them. Um, you know, like, do I have go bags set up? Am I, am I prepared? Am I ready? Like if something happens, like that's the thing. If something goes down, like just sit there and think about it for a day. Like, am I prepared? If something would go down, if there's a wildfire, if there's an earthquake, a hurricane, am I prepared enough to grab what I need, throw it in my, in my truck, in my car, and get my family out and be able to survive, like be able to get to a hotel or family member somewhere. You know what I mean? Like that's what we kind of do. And we, you know, we have a variety of classes, like survival classes, bug out classes. We have carbine, pistol, long range. I mean, there's so much that we're doing a uh, responsible citizen now. So all these things that we're just trying to educate, man, we're just trying to, to share and, and educate and just make people better. I mean, why not? Like you're part of this country to do better be a better person, be nice. Like <laughs> I'm over, man. I, I try to think of things in the simplest form and, um, and I just try to be nice to people uh, and just be caring, have empathy. Like it's not that hard. That's where I think where it starts is like, yeah, be fucking nice to people. Stop <laughs> acting like you're better than like, I hate that shit. Yeah. That's my room. That, and in rant right there. Okay. So I'm <laughs> sure you probably get a lot of people that, that, you know, come in, they look at field craft survival and they're like, man, you guys are paranoid, always prepping and stuff. What, how do you, how do you go about approaching people you know, once, like that? Like, if you get people like that, it's, it starts with education. Like you sit them down and you stop it. Like, listen, we're not digging like holes. We're not digging spider holes. We're not laying them all night and thinking the Russians or the Chinese are going to come get us. Like, no, <laughs> this is simple preparedness. We're not saying like, dig out a like dig out like a you know which which i want to do i want to dig out a piece of earth put like a little shelter in there yeah of course like but i'm not living in it you know yeah, what i mean it I sounds have a fun home. yeah it's just something to have like 
depending on where I'm at in my environment, I want to be prepared for that. Like in Tennessee, we had a guy, uh, Kenny, he's our, 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 uh, our leather guy. And he had a uh, tornado shelter in his garage. And it's like, well, are we going to make fun of him because he had a tornado shelter? It's like, no, like this guy's prepared. He wants to protect his family from a, a natural disaster. And I don't know. I don't think I could do that because I'm claustrophobic. So I don't know how big it was, but you know <laughs> what I mean? But, uh, but it's just, it's just trying to educate people like, Hey, we're not, it's not these, like, we're not wearing camouflage and fatigues and we're not carrying like a, a, a go bag everywhere we go. No, it's, we're prepared. Like, yeah, we have the go bag available. It's in the truck, but we're not like out here, like making plans on like the end of the world. I mean, it's just, we're prepared. It's just something you think about. And I, a lot of people don't think about it. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've definitely slowly started to, to be, little bit more prepared I, I have a go bag mostly done i need to finish it it's right here but I, i've got <laughs> huh? i'm is... the most i feel like i'm the most unprepared person there is. like <laughs> i have like i have everything but it's like nothing is it's all my garage and it's just unorganized so I, feel like I, don't, got, I don't have time i've got like a two-thirds bag ready here and everything <laughs> else is in the garage there's like a tote full of my wife's stuff I've got two first aid kits in the truck. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. But all right, man, I've got one more question that, that might be a little personal if you're all right with it. I'm good. Go for it. So you, you mentioned that when you got out, you've got you were worried about your VA points, right? <clears throat> and you had some shit going on. You know, do you mind talking about what that shit was and then how you handled it? So if somebody else has shit that they've got to handle, they can relate. Uh, so I would say it. I, I didn't have shit going on, but I've had, I've had since I've been out and it, it's not like me being out. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I, I'm, I need to get back in and I miss it. And this and that, like, I don't miss the military at all. Like not one part of me is like, God, I wish I could get up and, 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 and go stand around the L's or the, the drop zone all day and wait to jump. No, fuck that. No, or I don't, I, I'm going to go to 6:30 formation. Like, no, I don't want to do none of that. Like, but I miss like the purpose that was there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there was a purpose. You had your buddies there. Like, it was a com- the camaraderie, and then and you were part of something. And you know, and I, and not, I'm not saying I'm not part of anything now, but I think what it is is like that transition is hard because I feel like I don't have a purpose sometimes. I feel like I don't fit in, even though I was downrange with Mike and I, and, and like I'm. And I, I like everybody I work with, but I just feel like sometimes I just don't like, I don't fit in. And then like, you know, you make one mistake and it gets to you. And then it's like, how do I deal with this shit? Like in the army, it's just like, you gotta, you just had to like suck it up and move on. Like now it's like, how do I deal with this shit? Like, so uh, it's just a, it's a transition of dealing with like the anxiety and, and, and does, am I going to have a job? Cause like, what if Mike doesn't want me to work with him anymore? You know what I mean? It's just like, you yeah. get all this shit in your head when the army took care of everything. Like you were in the army, you were, you got your 30 days of leave every year. You got your, uh, you got like your little bonuses. You got, you know, even though it wasn't much, but I mean, you, you didn't have to worry about everything. You know, you, you made an appointment and you got it. You know what I mean? You just had to show up to the appointment. So just trying to fit in and, and, and have a purpose. And, you know, when I first started out with Fieldcraft, it was just me, Mike, and a couple, few other guys. We did everything, marketing, uh, shipping, receiving. We were out on the road doing classes and, and you were so busy and you had a purpose. But then once we started growing and scaling, 
we, we hired a guy for that job. You know, we hired a person for this job and more and more, like everything's getting taken away from me. And I'm like, well, why am I in that meeting? Or why am I helping out with that? Why am I on the video? Oh, you want me to do this? Which, dude, it sucks. I mean, do you think I want to mop a floor or set up for an event? No, like I want to be out there doing stuff. But I know my role and I know that like it ain't going to last forever. So I'm going to do it because I'm part of the team. Like, and, and I'll mop the floor because, yeah, that's not my job. I get it. But I'll do it because this motherfucker ain't doing his job. You know what I mean? I'm not saying no one's doing his job. But <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the mentality I got to have. Like, it's not getting done. Pick it up and do it. Like, sure. Just shut your mouth and do it. So it's kind of like I'm just trying to find my space, man. And and then it's hard to, like, transition and, and try to stay positive all the time when, like, you really feel like it's like, man, am I doing something wrong? Like, why am I being left out? But one thing I read on the Internet is, like, be okay with not being involved or being uh, included. Be okay with not being part of that. Like, it's nothing against you. It's just, hey, this is ain't your time right now. It's not your turn. And yeah. uh, that's one thing that I need to learn is, like, stop letting stuff bother me and just be like, yo, do your part. Do your part. Shut the fuck up. Don't worry about what they're doing. It, it, worry about you before you worry about anybody else. You know what I mean? And I think that's a lot of people don't realize. It's like everybody's always worried about somebody else. Everybody's always looking on the Internet on ig oh he's doing this and he's doing that why am i doing it it's like a comparison yeah yeah stop comparing yourself stop comparing yourself to people and that's the one thing i learned it's like trying to fit in and 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 doing my part and i and i get it people like me and people at work like me and and i'm involved and everything like that but it's like when you see someone they say they're okay it's like are they really okay it's like i say i'm okay a lot and when i'm not like because i don't want people worrying about me i don't want people having to take your time out of their day to like come talk to me and, and ask me if I'm okay when I'm okay, but I'm, it's just like that. It's a thing you get in your head, man. Like I, I can't really explain it. And so, but I would say, uh, it's just that part just trying to fit in. That's like my main thing. And then, and then you get in your head and you get that anxiety. It's just like, what's going on? Like, yeah. why am I thinking like this? And I when I know I got love out there for me and, and like, if I wanted to do really do something, I could just tell Mike, hey, Mike, can I do some content with you today? Or let me go to this meeting. Like, I can just show up. I mean, I'm the vice president of the fucking company, and I'm thinking, like, I don't fit in. <laughs> like, what's fucking wrong with me? That's And that's just me. I need to work on myself. And I think a lot of people need to understand, like, it, it starts with you. You can't blame nobody for your actions except you. Like, we make a choice every day when we wake up. We make a choice when we wake up to either we're going to stay in the bed, we're going to go to work, or we're going to make a difference in what we're in our lives. And, you know, you got choices to make, man. If, if you get up and go, cho- and go choose to rob a bank and, and you get caught and killed, that's on you, bro. Like, stop blaming other people for your for your downfalls. Like, stop making your insecurities, like, disabilities for yourself. Like, skip and do it, man. Like, I know it's hard, but, hey, if I can do it, man, anyone can do this shit. So, yep. but, yeah. Awesome, man. I love it. Okay. Well, is there anything that you're that you don't normally get asked? That you're like, man, this is this is always fun to share. It's kind of a similar question related to the army, but a little bit different, kind of a little more open ended. Uh, I mean, I don't have anything really. I just, I just wish people would just like start worrying about themselves a little bit more and, and stop worrying about what other people are doing. It's yeah. like if we could just, I don't know. Like I, I like to be as simple as possible, man. But people make it so complex with all the shit that's going on. It's just. I just shut up, shut up, like shut your mouth, like please shut up. Like just because you see someone doing something that you don't like or doesn't doing mean they're wrong. That doesn't, 
doesn't agree with your values, shut the fuck up and just move on. Like yeah. ignore them. Like I don't, I don't get it. People will, people will get their, their whole day ruined because they see someone that they, you know, they see someone doing something they don't like. It's like, why, why do you care? Like, yeah. I, like, for example, you see these posts on, on uh, social media about like people not putting their carts back to the, to the corral. Like, like don't get me wrong is it is it annoying as fuck when you see a cart in the parking lot oh yeah yeah but guess what that's not your job your job is to get in your car put your groceries in your car and drive away and go home like why are you wasting that much energy on why and someone didn't put a cart back in the cart corral like stop worrying about dumb shit like let's yeah. worry about like hey let's worry about why, why are we worried about like sex trafficking like why isn't that like, an issue you know what i mean like that's yeah. just but people who like worry about dumb shit, I think I feel like it's like, what are you really doing in your life? That like, yeah, why, is, why are you energy. worried about that? <laughs> yeah, just stop wasting energy about it. I get it. Like, I put my cart back. Don't get me wrong. I put my cart back. But is there a time where I just want to throw that cart and just be done with it, it? And see what happens to it? Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> and that's why. Oh yeah, I think we, we've all been there. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just I'm just trying to have a good time while I'm here. Yeah, we're not here for long, so might as well enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome, George. What about you? Like, what's your uh, kind of like? What's kind of? I, I tell myself I have like I'm 42 right now. I tell myself I'm going to work eight more years. When I turn 50, I'm kind of going to hang it up for a little bit and just enjoy my my family, enjoy my kids, and, and just have a good time. Um, do you have any goals like that? Um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I do. I kind of do whatever I want, it feels like. And Mm -hmm. so over the years, you know, this podcast, I think is definitely for me the big win because I I have a very, I have OCD, like straight up. I've seen a dude for various people for 13 years. Right. So like I focus on things for like short amount of short amounts of time. So like, you know, I mean, I'm just, I turned 29 last week. So I've got kind of my career in place. So I kind of just do all of these fun things on the side. So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I did competition shooting for a couple of years and then I started doing archery and, you know, I like set like, they're kind of like small goals, but they happen all the time throughout like the year. So like I said, and I, I don't, I did do it for 2021. Yeah, I did. Cause normally, normally at the start of the year, I'll sit down and I'll put together a list of things that I want to do that year so that I'm not a couch potato. Yeah. So like, you know, I'll, I'll sit down and be like, all right, you know, I want to have this weightlifting goal and this jujitsu goal. And I want to, you know, harvest, uh, you know, a cow and, you know, a buck this year. Those are my, you know, my goals. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'll do throughout the year. But as far as like, you know, what happens in five years, it's like, really, I want to buy a house. That's like a goal, but everything else, like I make sure that, you know, I'm kind of tracking either to my goals or not playing video games until three o'clock in the morning every night. Cause you know, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate that I have, I guess the ability and the opportunities to go hang out and meet people and shoot guns. And I don't know, I kind of go with it to a certain mm-hmm. extent. It feels like now. So. Yeah. That's one of my downfalls, man. Is like, I don't like, I don't set goal. Like I set goals, but I don't write them down. Like I'm like, okay, let's do this today. And then I'll forget about it like halfway through. Like yeah. I need to actually sit down and, and like have a process for my life. And I, as I don't, I just, I feel like I can't. And I, and I know what to do. Like, it's like, 
it's like going to the gym. Like I've been in the army for 20 years. I know how to work out. I know what to do on a day-to-day basis, but right. do you do getting it? out of my head <laughs> to do it is something different. And like, I feel like I, I can't unpack like stuff in my head. Like if I can't unpack my, I guess I don't know how to explain it. If I can't unpack my thoughts and then like these ideas and, and the things that I have in my head and I'm kind of useless right now. And it's just, it's just hard to, I compartmentalize everything. Like everything's put yeah. away. Yeah. I don't want to fucking deal with it. You know what I mean? And I, and I go out in, into my garage and my garage is kind of like my brain. Like I have boxes filled <laughs> with shit and I don't know what's in it because I don't label it because I'm, because I, I just do everything in haste and I put it away and I just stack yeah. it up. Yeah. That is my brain. I put everything away in haste and I don't label shit. Dude. And shit gets all fucked up. So I, so my garage is the opposite. Whereas like I've got boxes, but everything is most, everything is labeled. And I know exactly what is where, but there are times that my brain is not like that. Like two or two years ago, it was horrible. Like I, I was exactly like that where everything was just like smashed in my head and I couldn't get anything straight, but I would write things down even when it made no sense. Like I probably got, I think I've got like four notebooks in my safe now of just all the thoughts that were up in my head and I would just smash them on paper. And I did that for like, I think, I think two years to get kind of everything together. But now it's like, you know, well, I used to have like a blackboard. Uh, so I was in my old apartment. I used to have a blackboard that, you know, was like two feet by three feet. And I had it mm-hmm. filled out with all of my goals for the year. So that way, whenever I'd go into, you know, and I'd go reload or whatever, dry fire, all my goals would be right there. So that way it was like, I couldn't forget what I was doing. And I, I lately, like I have, like, I've got my office, you know, mm-hmm. I used to, I would type them out on an Excel spreadsheet. And I used to have it set up with my reoccurring reminder on my Outlook calendar so that when I got paid, it would pop up with all my goals, you know, kind of where I was at. And then also to go pay my bills. <laughs> yeah. But then, but yeah, that's how I would remind, remind myself to do stuff. And I've kind of, I've kind of slacked on it because things like have been like pretty, like f- they fluctuated a lot. But I also, when I write them, it's like, okay, I'm not going to be so strict that it's like, I say no to opportunity because I've learned that's something I've learned is that if I'm too strict on stuff then I miss out on other things versus if I just say like, Hey, I want to have like these 10 things. And if I don't hit all of them, then fuck, it's fine. But if I hit like two or three of them, then at least I know I kind of did something that I wanted to do this year. So, because then when you sit back and you reflect on it, you're like, Hey, even though I didn't read, you know, 20 books, I listened to 15 but I also did these five other things that made me a little bit smarter, you know? Yeah. That's like, uh, like we just started doing those total archery things and we did that one in park city and then we just did the one in snowbird. And, and back in high school, man, I used to shoot bow like all the fucking time. Like I would come home from school and shoot it until the sun went down until you had to turn the porch light on to get that, just that little bit of light so that your little, get that little light in there and you could hit that that deer boom 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 and i don't know what happened man like i joined the army and i felt like i felt like i didn't have time for shit like i I couldn't i didn't have time to like go like uh bow hunting like first week of bow hunting because i felt like i didn't know what to do like i didn't have my dad there with me my dad's still alive he's in ohio but when i was in north carolina i was like well i can't go by myself i don't know where to go like i don't know where to go i don't know where to set up like now if i'm in ohio Boom, five miles on the road. I'm in my tree stand. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I know exactly where I'm going. I know everything. Yeah. But being at this total archery, total archery challenge, I've seen, I'm like, wow, 
this brings back so many like memories and like this shit is what I need to be doing, man. Like I need to be shooting bow again. Like, so, yeah. but it's like, but it's like, now it's like, I have a bow. I got to get the, I can get the sights. I got to get the quiver. I got to get this. I gotta get, and it's like, it gets overwhelming in my head. And I don't know yeah. why I let myself get overwhelmed, but dude, I did the same thing. So this was the first bow I've ever, so that park city was the first archery shoot I'd ever done. Like, dude, that's awesome, man. I've never done anything like it. And I was like, you know what, dude, like, I, I I have a tendency to when I start something, I kind of go all in. And I think that it annoys I think it annoys my wife and kind of freaks her out because she's like you obsess, over, you obsess over stuff, right? But um, but I was super overwhelmed too when I bought my bow because I was like, Okay, I have Cabela's points, right? That's all I've got. And I don't know anything about bows. I, I don't know how to measure brace height, I don't know how to tune it, I don't know how to measure. <laughs> Dude, so I just walked into Cabela's and I was like, hey, man, like, I need this. I'm looking at these two different things. Here's the amount of money I've got. And he was like, cool, let's get it set up. I'll tune it for you. We'll get the right arrows. We'll get you dialed in. So that that way. Yeah, right. And I do, too, because, like, I I was like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to think about, like, I don't know the pieces, parts of each of these things. I don't know fucking left from right. And so, you know, I ended up getting that, talking to some other buddies, watching youtube videos and now you know i went out to total archery challenge i didn't shoot like phenomenally but i think i missed three targets three or four targets i lost two arrows and i had a hell of a time right and it's like hey i learned a lot and now when i get home it's like hey we've got our 3d range you know just 20 minutes from my office so i don't know i get overwhelmed with stuff too but i have to break it down like that's my thing it's like I'm going to learn this and then I'm going to do this. And I'm, going to, I'm very procedural like that. And, and that's the one thing I like, I don't want to say like I use excuse. I hate using excuses for anything I do. I, I really do. But one thing I, one thing that I don't like is when someone's like, what do you mean? You don't know how to do this. It's like, <laughs> well, motherfucker, it's because I've never done it in my life. Yeah. So yeah. I need a little help. I need a little boost. So like, stop being a dick and why don't you help me out like take me under your wing or something man like damn like i'll figure it out eventually like don't get me wrong like i will figure it out and i will not and if i have a question i'll ask but in the beginning it's like man just like that's what i'm saying with people man i, I hate people sometimes because it's like well i want to shoot bow like come on man let's go like tell me what to do like help me out you know but it's just like you just people what do you mean you haven't done it before you don't know how to do this <laughs> like, sorry man i, I don't yeah, that's how I feel. It's super funny you say that because like, you know, I, uh, my family didn't, I didn't grow up hunting, right? Like I didn't grow up doing anything really in the outdoors. I mean, my grandparents owned a tool store. I grew up, you know, pulling weeds, yard work, you know, DIY stuff. And so, yeah. you know, we, we grew up different in that regard. And then I grew up kind of a nerd, you know, I played like Call of Duty, you know, World of Warcraft, fixing computers and then I started getting into the guns and stuff. And so I, uh, my uncle took me and my cousin hunting when I was like 10. And that was my mm-hmm. first, like first air quotes time going hunting. But last year I finally was like, I had texted my buddies. I was like, it's time. Like I need to go learn the only reason, like, you know, I've got a rifle, I've got boots, I'll go, I've got a, right. tent. you know, like, you know, I, I had, literally, I made, I made every excuse to go. Right. And uh, so finally last year I went and I'm like, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Like my only barrier to entry really was like myself and not knowing how to feel dress an animal. Like that's mm-hmm. still to this day. Cause we didn't harvest last year or I didn't harvest last year. So it's like, you know, it's super weird that you say like people being dicks. Cause like, 
I feel weird when I interview people because I've talked to really like successful hunters and it's like, I kind of don't feel like I fit in kind of to your point too, where it's like, you know, like I know what you're talking about, but like, I've not made it that far yet. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's like, if I had to, if I I went out hunting by myself right now and I, and I kill something, it'd be like, shit, now I gotta, I gotta gut it and, you know, and, and dress it. But it's like, I know I could do it, but at the same time, it's like, I haven't done it in decades. It feels like, you know what I mean? So like just having that person there to be like, okay, I'll do it. But like, just tell me if I'm putting the knife in the right way. Okay. Thank you. That's all I need to know. Right. You exactly. know what I mean? I don't, yep. And I don't need someone like making fun of me because I haven't skinned a deer or, or gutted a deer. It's cause I, I said, I haven't been hunting, man. Like, fuck, like give me a chance to go hunt and then we can do this. Yeah. Yep. I, that's how I feel. I, I definitely feel like you have to trust somebody when you start something new or go with somebody you trust when you start something. Yes. New it's, you feel like I hate to say vulnerable, Cause like, but you're vulnerable, right? Where you're oh, like, yeah, you, are, you know, 100%. you admit, you admit learning and it's, it's not fun. Cause people it's, it's easy to get discouraged when somebody says something snarky, when it's your first time doing something. Right. But, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, I have a whole lot to learn. This podcast is like, I've been going to the gym so much more consistently since I started this thing. It's hilarious. That's awesome. Like I, that's the one thing I need to get my ass back in the gym working out. Like I bought a Peloton. <laughs> like four months ago man and it's it's embarrassing like I, I but it's just i have to get out of my head man i gotta like you know i, I started going back to um behavioral health at the va just trying to get talk, talk to somebody because it's just to the point now where it's just like uh, i don't know what to do sometimes you know what i mean yeah. it's like it, it, am i depressed or am i just like in this funk and you know it's just you yeah. know, just trying to figure it out and trying to get help and and uh and then but i don't like it's like for me, I'll talk about going to the to the shrink every, every opportunity I get, just to get that, that it out there. Like, hey, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like, there's nothing wrong with talking to somebody. Like, if like I'd rather talk to a therapist I don't know, and and, and I talk to my wife and my friends about the shit that's in my head because the things I, I think about sometimes just like, what is wrong with you? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not bad. It's just like, I don't know. It's just 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 different. Yeah. No, I get I get that because I've had stuff that. So I've seen a shrink in some way, shape or form, right? Either a counselor or a therapist since I was, I think, so even when I was younger, but I know Mm -hmm. for sure pretty consistently, I guess off and on for like 13 years, right? And Mm -hmm. so like, I never was really good at like facing the shit that I was thinking and kind of, I was really good at avoiding it, right? Like it was much easier, it was much easier not to think about it and much easier not to talk about it than to kind of put up with it. And so when my wife and I started dating is when I started seeing a new dude, a new therapist. Right. And so he was the one who really kind of helped me put it all into perspective and like actually be able to kind of make sense of the stuff that I was thinking about. Cause to your point, there was stuff that like my OCD, like I was really good at washing my hands and really good at locking doors. Like before I would leave the house, like for school and high school, I would lock all the doors in the house like six times. Then I would leave. I would take my sister to school. I would come back to the house. I would lock all the doors again. I would barely make it to school. I would lock all the doors of my truck like six times. And then I could barely make it inside the school 
without like my head fucking me up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was shit like that, that like happened forever. Right. And so there was stuff like that, that even like when my wife and I started dating, I still had ticks like that. It changed though. Right. It would go from locking doors to washing hands to having like just fucked up things. And like, I, I couldn't really talk to Erica about him for a while. Cause like the way that I would approach it, was super offensive i'd be like this is what i'm thinking about this is why i'm pissed off whatever 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 but you know it was like nothing was really like wrong it's just i didn't know how to think and talk about what was going on yeah like you can't like it's like trying to formulate like tetris you know what i mean like trying to get everything in your mind to form into like one coherent like okay this is what i need to talk about but you know, when Tetris gets a little fast, you know, as everything starts like building up on each other, I, that's kind of how my brain is. Everything like jumbles up and I can't get my thoughts out. I can't get my feelings out. I can't get, you know, how I feel. Cause I feel like if I really tell someone how I feel, they're going to be mad at me and not want to be around me because yeah. I'm telling you how I feel and, I'm, and I want to be honest as I can, but I know that like that person will be mad because I brought something up and I, I hate confrontation i hate like <laughs> like when people when i get yelled at at work or i get in trouble for like if i just mess up something stupid you know and i get yelled at like you don't have to yell at me i am my own once you pointed out i am my own worst enemy when yeah, it comes out like, i will put it's myself fine. down 100 until like i'm like you stupid like like the worst talk like i should never be talk to myself like that ever but i get to the point where it's just like you stupid motherfucker why'd you do that you know what i mean like yeah. you get this like negative talk and it's like why am i doing it's like whatever i did is not that bad like if i got in trouble for something yeah whatever you know deal with it move on learn from it whatever the the life lesson you'll learn from it but like stop talking down to yourself because really i'm a human being man i'm gonna make mistakes and if no one's dying then it's okay. fucking k like yeah get get the fuck over it yeah i but had that's a, me, i had a lot of stuff like that where i was i would talk <laughs> I'd have like, you know, shame, guilt, fear, talk shit oh, yeah. about myself, all those things. Right. And shame, shame for me was the hardest one to like identify that took probably 18 months before of like, of like seeing a guy for two to three times a week, I think pretty consistently, right. For me to be like, mm. Oh man, this is what fucking sucks. But, um, it's interesting because one of the, like the tools in my toolbox is when I start to feel that, like even this morning, on my way, on my way to work this morning, I was like, I had a rough morning, you know, you know? And it was one of those things where it was like, nothing's wrong, but like, I kind of just have to sit there. And it's one of those things I've learned over the years that, you know, when I start to get frozen up and lock up and kind of like, not like seize, but like, you know, get right. stuck is you kind of have to sit with it and be like, this is, this is where I'm at right now. You know, nobody did anything wrong. I'm not like bitter, you know, I'm not, nobody's in trouble, but uh, just, whew, it's one of those, it's one of those moments, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, yeah. So it's like, I, I have to get out of my head sometimes and just, I, I don't know what, like, I just, I guess the thing, like, I don't know what it is because like, cause it's like in my head, it's all jumbled up and it's like Tetris. It's like, well, where do I begin? Like, where do I, where do I start when I, like to get, get, to get this fixed? Like, and, like, who do I talk to? Or like, I don't know. It's just a weird, like trying to like figure out who to talk to, where to go. And then, and then when you do get like a therapist, like we get like on the VA, like it's all like this, it's on zoom. And I hate it. Like I yeah. can't talk yeah. to somebody over video. I can't be open and honest. Like that's my thing. Like I have to work on being honest with the person on the other end because 
I don't know this person. Like I'm just meeting you on like my therapist online, like on zoom. And it's like, bro, how far do I go back? Like, what do I tell you to, to where you understand like where I'm coming from and having to recreate the wheel, wheel of, all the time. So yeah. yeah, it's just trying to be honest, open with whoever you're talking to. I mean, that's one of my things. I, I have to yeah. deal with. My, my best advice for stuff like that. And my dogs are freaking out is, uh, is honestly just to start talking and yeah. like, and honestly, like it doesn't matter where, you know, so when I started, you know, talking to this, this therapist that I see now, you know, I, I talked about the same shit forever. So when I sat down, I was like, here are the things I know about myself. Right. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold anything back because like, mm-hmm. I'm tired of these things. Here's what I'm having issues with. And, you know, you kind of just start with, honestly, like just start with today. Like, here's the things that I'm feeling today. Right. And then, it's their job more or less to kind of help sift through that because then they'll start like there were days where we would talk about something that I didn't think had any relevance to why I'm like, why the fuck are we talking about this? Like you're fucking wrong. This is fucking stupid. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so by the end of, you know, the hour long session, you're like, you're sitting there scratching your head and you're like, man, those were some weird connections that you made, but I'm going to have to go ruminate because fuck, that makes a lot of sense now, you know? And so that's, I think that's my advice, right? Is when you sit down with somebody, it doesn't matter where kind of like what you said earlier, right? You just got to start it, right? Just start talking and know that it's going to suck because like, I mean, I don't enjoy, I mean, now I do because like, I feel like I've got enough tools in my toolbox that like I can navigate, you know, the day-to-day life. But like there were times that I went and I was livid and I left I went pissed and I came out like red hot, you know? Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just think, I think going in, start talking and not, not pulling any punches and finding the right person that you can like, cause when I go, I mean, I use all the colorful language. I mean, like my mom would shove soap down my throat, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, that's, that's how I get things out. Nice. But yeah. Yeah. Like, being an adult these days is like, oh, man, I just, <laughs> like, I just want to go drink a beer and shoot a bow. It's like, just leave me alone, man. Like, <laughs> I, I just want to be left alone. Like, honestly, like it, it, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not the most important person in the world, but you know, you, you, you put so much pressure and stress on you because you want to be, you want to be an earner for your family and you want to be a good example for your kids. And you want to be a good, a good example for the people that surround you. You know what I mean? Cause like I, it's, it's weird. Cause like after I retired, like I, I, I honestly learned not to give a fuck about what people think. Yeah. And I really don't, I don't care what people think of me. And I can honestly say that and be like, yeah, I don't care. Cause I really don't, but I do care about what the people that, who I care about think of me, like my friends and my family. Yeah. Those are the people that I care about. But other than that, if, if, if I don't really like know you and, and I don't care what you think about me, like I'm going to be me. And if, if you don't like it, oh fucking well like I, I don't care like i really don't care like if you get mad at me for posting something and 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 you and it's like i have this little cooking show called insert ingredient here i, I enjoy cooking i'm not a chef that's like stolen valor to me i hate people like oh you're a chef i'm like no i'm not a chef chef get they get trained <laughs> i'm just here youtube the food and yeah yeah i'm youtubing it and, and, and reading recipes and I'm, and I'm cooking it so I do this little thing, this little cooking show. It's it's nothing. It's just fun. It's it's something fun to do. It's 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 content. I had, you know, had my daughters on there. We made Dutch oven pizza one episode, and 
you know, and then before that I made breakfast burritos and, and some guy made a comment on there about like, you cooked your eggs first. It's like, bro, like, shut <laughs> up. It's food, bro. Like it's a breakfast burrito. I'm going to put it in there and eat it. Like, yeah. You're like, are, are you eating it? Like, shut up. <laughs> it's like shit like that, man. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Like my favorite comeback is okay. Like, yeah, right. Cause nobody can say anything after that. You're yeah. like, okay. It's like a big shutdown. Yeah. It's like when like, somebody like you, you give them a thumbs down when they when they cut you off. Like, yeah, I can't be mad. I'm just dis- disappointed. Yeah, like okay, but it's just shit like that. I mean, you're just and it's like the one thing. It's like st- stop. It, it's it's hard to it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. It's like stop worrying about what, what people think about you. It's yeah. easy to say, but it's hard to do. I mean, there's people out there that can't do it. You know, they they all they care about is what people think about them. Like. I just don't care. Like, I just get too much energy. It's so much energy to worry about like, Oh my God, he didn't, he said something on my post or, and, and he didn't like it or some, some dumb shit. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's like, stop caring about what people think. Just do you do you like, yep. Like, fuck it. If you want to cook and make a cooking show, then go do it. Hold your phone in front of you and do it. Like it's not, you don't need a, a whole production team. Just no. you need a phone and a yep. camera. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, literally, like literally, that's all you need to really do to really do anything anymore. I mean, you literally yeah. just need your phone and yep. a, a pair of stones and get after it. Oh yeah, like that's one thing I learned is like being uncomfortable, being on video, on podcast, on things like that. Just get over that shit because you you have you have things to say and you have things that people want to listen to and, and and you have experiences that you know may that may help somebody out like like this podcast may help somebody out, you know, it may help somebody out from not killing themselves. It may help somebody out that are going to call and get that help they need for their mental health. Like if anything else in the world, like everyone needs a therapist. I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care if you're the Pope himself, you need a therapist. Everyone goes through something that they need to talk to someone that can help them out and not like a friend, not a family member, someone that is unbiased that can give you the, the, Hey, this is what you need to be doing, you Mm -hmm. know? And, that's the most, I think that's one of the most important life lessons is ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid. Like, Hey, if I'm struggling, man, tell somebody like, I'll tell people all the time I'm struggling. You know what I mean? And, and, and they like, they understand, they understand like, Hey, this shit, people go through shit every day. So it's like, get help. Stop saying you're okay. And, and stop saying like, just suck it up. You know, no, man, I'm not, I'm done sucking it up. I'm done <laughs> sucking it up yeah like if i'm hurt i'm gonna go get help and that's what everyone should be doing man like stop sucking it up man and and, and actually get help so yeah, yeah that's one thing I'll, i you take away from this is don't be afraid to get help no i agree it doesn't make sense i like it george thank you sir we yeah. try i try man I, i'm not the most like smart smartest dude in the world but i just try to kind of get through life with common sense and, and just being nice and and figuring it out like uh, i tell I told my, you know, my, my daughter when she was like young, like when she was, she's 14 now, when she was like seven and eight, I was like, listen, sometimes you have to figure it out. You just have to figure it out on your own and, and it'll be fine. And then like recently, like I, my, I'm, I'm divorced. So I get my kid, like my, um, my I have two daughters and they're 14 and seven. And, uh, you know, I see them when I can and they stayed with me in Utah for about a month. And, uh, you know, like she, my, my daughter's 14, you know, and uh, she's a, she's a teenager. She's, you know, what can you do and then it's always like it's always like she always thinks it's me against her it's like listen listen bubba it's not me against you 
let's stop making it me against you. It's us versus them. Like we're a team, we're a family, like stop it. Like, I don't like, I don't want to have that, that I don't want to have that relationship that all dads have with their daughters, like the mm-hmm. uncomfortable. No, like I, I hang out with my daughter, you know, I joke around with her, like I'm her friend, but at the same time, she understands like I'm her dad first, you know what I mean? So right. I try to relate to her, whatever she's doing. Like I'm always in it. Like my, my daughter's play, uh, my youngest, she's seven. She plays Roblox and I have an account. I'll go on and I'll play with her. That's how we connect. That's, <laughs> how, that's what we do to be, to stay in touch. I mean, I have to use iPads and iPhones and social media and these little things to stay in touch with my kids. Like I have to be on my electronics. They have to be on electronics. So when they say, when people are like, Oh, your kids are on their iPad all the time. It's like, no, maybe they're talking to their friends that they haven't seen, or maybe they're talking to my, to their grandma and, and, and stuff like that. So like fucking mind your own business, what my kids are doing. You know what I mean? Like I'll raise them the way I want to raise. So, yeah. Go fuck yourself. So, but I try to like, be as cool as I can with my, with my kids, like, you know, try to relate to them. I'm not, I, I'm never hands off. I'm never, Oh, she's, you know, she's, she's 14. She's, you know, she's had her, her, her period. It's like, great. I want to know how you feel about that because I'm not embarrassed of that shit like that. I'm not embarrassed to go to the grocery store and buy my wife tampons. Like who gives a shit, man? I'm a grown ass man. Like I, I do that stuff. So talking to my daughter about like her, her, her monthly visitor is not a problem with me. Now, yeah. if she has a problem with it and doesn't want to talk about it, fine like if you need me i'm here if you want to talk about it fine i get it but i want to know about my like i'm going to be involved in my children's lives so even if i'm not there all the time i need to know what's going on so i mean that's what i do i mean i try to be i try to tell my kids like listen you have there's if something if you need to tell me something there is zero uh consequences of what you tell me as long as you're telling me the truth i will help you through anything i will not be mad at you i will not judge you I'm here for you no matter what. Like, these are my kids. Like, I'm, I'm responsible for them. I mean, for the rest of my life, but until they're 18 years old, like, I gotta make sure that they're safe. Like, and I'm not there all the time with them. So that is, that sucks. Like, if you're a dad and you don't see your kids all the time, and it, it it should affect you. It should affect you drastically that you're not there to raise them and 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 give them life lessons every day. Like, it 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 tears my my heart out every like. I don't have my kid, my daughters with me every day. Like I can't be there for them. Like I want to be able to put my arm around my daughters if they don't have like a bad day, you know, and I can't do that. Like I have to arrange that, you know, I have to like make sure like, like my daughter, like all the COVID's just been fucked up all the sports. So yeah, they live in Florida. So Florida's like USA all the way, you know, I love Florida right now with their governor and, and all the things he's, he's doing. And, uh, and my, my daughter's she's about to play. She wants to sign up for volleyball. So I told her, I said, listen, like your first game, I'm, I'm there. I'm flying in. I don't care what it is. I will be there for your first game no matter what. So those are the things like as a dad, like that's like another thing, like another thing you got to throw on top of me. It's like, you know, that's another thing I got to do as a dad. I got to like stay involved. I got to stay in touch with my kids. It's easy for me not to look. There are some times where I'll go a week without talking to my kids just because of, of the nature of the time zone difference, me working, them in school. Sure. But they're always there. I know it. My, me and my ex-wife, we get along. We're good. So she updates me when the kids aren't like reaching out. Like I'll call my, like I'll call my 14 year old like 20 times in a row. Will she pick up on FaceTime? No, she will not. (laughs) But that is, but this is what I have to do. I have to be persistent because I can't, I can't blame, I can't have a 14 year old and seven year old like worrying about calling their dad, which they should, but at the same time, it's a different 
we're, we're our family is set up different. We're yeah. not a typical traditional family. Like I don't sit around the dinner table, have dinner every night with my, with my family. No, we, we cook dinner and we eat it standing up in the kitchen or we mm-hmm. will sit down or we're on the couch. We're watching a movie or, or, or we get in where we fit in. Like we're, it's, I don't have a traditional family. Like my ex-wife, we, we got, we got divorced cause she, she's gay. Like, you know, she's a lesbian now. And which is fine. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, did it, was it, it was sucky at the beginning? No, but you realize like, Hey, it's been messed up for a few years now and now we're happy. So I have my happiness. You have your happiness, but you know, with all that said, I mean, I have to be on top of that. I have to stay on top of that with work, with life, being a dad, like I have to stay on top. I have to keep in touch with my daughters. Like that right. is, you know, and God, and like, thank God for, you know, my job is very like, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to have the job I have. I feel craft and, and the opportunities that I have, I, I'm not, you know, opportunity came up for me to move back to North Carolina to go help out with Kevin in the uh, NC store. And, and that's where I'm going. Like September, um, I'm, I'm moving back to North Carolina because a, I have a house there. I have a network there and, uh, I'll be closer to my family. So, yeah. And that's the, that's the beauty of, of working for uh field is like, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to stay involved. We try to help people out with their families and, you know, just make it better. And then, so that's what I'm doing. I'm moving back so I can be closer and, and just being involved more. But yeah, man, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's hard not having your kids with you every day. I mean, it's just, it's one thing you have to deal with and become more resilient in that uh, mind in your mindset. And you got, you got to make it for what it's worth. Like you got to make those FaceTime calls and, and make them, make them worthwhile. Like, you know, ask your kids a question. Like my kids don't like to talk to me, man. It's not that they don't like to talk to me. It's just like, how was school? Good. So what are you learning? Oh, you know, we got this, we're doing that. So who are your friends? What are you doing? Well, you know, this, and that's like, it's like pulling tea training information. <laughs> but, hey, I'll interrogate you like, like you're like, you just been arrested. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Cause I want to know, I want to know what's going on in your lives. Like, did you have a boyfriend or kids being mean to you? Like, or, or people bullying you? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, so it's, it's a lot, man. It's, it's life is a lot of pressure. So I get it. People have trouble with it, but man, like, get help that's why you have help that's why that's why you have help 100 (laughs) percent. awesome man well hey i got a jet but i will uh, i'll send you my number i'd love to stay in touch even yes sir bullshit texting checking up on each other i mean i'd love to keep in touch and if you're ever up here we've got a spare room so i'd love to have you over awesome i appreciate that thank you whip up some food so oh yeah make some like elk or something Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode with Mr. George Bell. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. I had a great conversation with him. I highly encourage you guys to go take a look at uh, Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, If you're out near uh, Heber or Park City, uh, they've got a lot of courses, like insanely consistently, of uh, some really cool things that you can go learn. Um, also too, uh, please, like I said in the beginning, take a look at the Vanguard website, see if, uh, the Patreon something you might be interested in supporting and, um, pick up some swag. Uh, but today's episode was brought to you, uh, by Mountain Primal Meat Company. Uh, they raise Highland cattle outside of, uh, or out in Colorado. It is a hundred percent all natural, organic, um, amazing, amazing meats. Uh, I've had several steaks, some of their chorizo as well. Uh, they my favorite thing is, uh, is their fuel sticks. It's something that I take with me while I'm out hiking around, camping, driving around, all that fun stuff because oftentimes I forget to feed myself. 
but having those things uh, at the ready seems to keep me going pretty consistently. So please use Vanguard or code Vanguard for 15% off your first order, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank <laughs> you.